Hello. Hello. to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive, encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman haters to sappy bullfighters, from Curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback Podcast. I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, the Three Stooges. This is episode 31, covering the short Healthy, Wealthy, and Dumb. First things first, I use Wikipedia IMDB and threestooges.net to find all the juicy tidbits for these episodes, and I usually watch them on Daily Motion or YouTube, mostly Daily Motion. I've read most every book on the boys, but I'm not an expert in any way. I'm sure I get lots of stuff wrong. If I were to quote stuff off the top of my head, I would get most of it wrong. I use my own flawed brain to formulate opinions on the shorts, as well as regurgitating the opinions of others. With that said, let's get on with the show. Healthy, Wealthy, and Dumb comes in with a running time of 16 minutes and 30 seconds. It was filmed over four days from February 23rd, 1938 to February 26th, 1938. And the release date was May the 20th, 1938. So that's a slightly quicker turnaround than the previous couple. We've got, uh, what, only three months Obviously, this one stars our heroes, Jerome Lester Horwitz, a.k.a. Curly Howard, Louis Feinberg, a.k.a. Larry Fine, and Moses Harry Horwitz, Mo Howard. Mo, Larry, and Curly, The Three Stooges. Produced by Jules White, directed by Del Lord. These are familiar names by now. With story and screenplay credits going to Searle Kramer. He had 14 Stooge credits among 26 writing credits from 1936 to 1968. The supporting cast here has some new faces along with some returning folks. We've got Gene Morgan is the re, is the radio announcer nicknamed the man with the green hat. I assume he wore a green hat probably most places. That was his real, real life nickname. In the pictures online, he is wearing a hat like the Skipper on Gilligan's Island a lot. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe he wore a green um, Skipper's hat. He had 124 acting credits, and he was a well-known master of ceremonies at the time around L.A. He died in 1940. James C. Morton returns, he of the famous toupee, a tarantula. <laughs> the hotel manager here is what he plays. 212 acting credits for Morton and one directing credit in 1918. It was a silent picture, obviously. A Daughter of Uncle Sam is what it was called. He died in 1942. And in 1913, this is Morton still, 1913, he played the TikTok Man in the TikTok Man of Oz on stage in Los Angeles. Bobby Burns is the room service waiter. He started acting in 1908, and he's got 
a massive 296 acting credits and 65 directing credits. He was a director from 1915 to 1920, so that's during the silent era. And then his acting was from 1908 to 1958, so 50 years. The TV show Adventures of the Seahawk is his last credit. He was in 18 Stooge shorts. Then we've got Jean Carmen as Marge. She was in two Stooge shorts and 21 acting credits altogether. She was a Wampus Baby Star of 1934. We've talked about these Wampus uh, Baby Stars. What's that? The Western Association of Motion Picture Advertisers. Um, and they would pick, you know, the beautiful women that they liked that year. And I bet they would probably promote pictures that those girls that they chose would be in. And so, cause that's probably, that's how it worked back then. It was a lot of, a lot of that type of more, more, well, I don't know, more so today. What do I know? Anyway, she was a Wampus baby star of 1934. She started in radio and she retired to raise a family in the 1940s. In 1966, Jean Carmen came back and wrote, directed, and produced The Pawn, which her son Guy Dillo starred in. Guy Dillo couldn't find anything else about him, so mom tried to make him a star. Evidently, that didn't go down well in 1966. She was the wife of the boss of the B.F. Goodrich Company, tire company. So he was well off and she was too, probably from pictures. She quit. They put her kid, they put their kid in a picture. Anyhow, Erlene Heath is Lil. She was nicknamed the Blue Bonnet Girl. Whether that is from like an ad campaign with Blue Bonnet Margarine or if she just wore a blue bonnet. Like, uh, like the aforementioned, uh, with Gene Morgan with the man with the green hat. Or the, what's the man with the yellow hat in, uh, Curious George. So anyway, he's, uh, she was nicknamed the Blue Bonnet Girl. I couldn't find out if that was because she always wore a Blue Bonnet. I, I bet it was because Blue Bonnet Margarine was probably new then and she was maybe the first Blue Bonnet Girl in commercials and print and whatnot. She had 11 credits from 1934 to 1941, two of which were Stooges. Shorts and one was a Ted Healy solo picture. We've got Lucille Lund as Daisy. In 1933, Lucille won the most beautiful college co-ed competition. And she was also a Wampus Baby Star from 1934. So 1934 was the last year that they did these Wampus Stars. So she had 30 credits to her name, four Stooges shorts. And there was a little quote from her where she just says, I did some crazy pictures, I tell you. <laughs> she was in The Black Cat with Boris Karloff. That's probably her biggest credit. And when she spurned the director's advances on the set of that picture, he left her hanging from some contraption. So the director is this Edward G. Ulmer guy. And yeah, she spurned his advances. And he left her hanging uh, from this something or other while everyone went to lunch. So he's a great dude. One more credit here as Bud Jameson returns as the detective. We've covered him before. But an interesting addition in brief. Uh, he was in a series of color travelogues filmed in 1930. 
featuring Bud Jameson and a comic named Jimmy Adams. They were called the Rolling Stones. And it was two singing vagabonds going around seeing the country. And isn't that interesting? I would like, I'm going to look those up on YouTube and see or online and see if I can find any of those. I'll bet that's interesting. You know, a little travel channel like original back in the day, you know, come see Cairo, Georgia. And, and then the two of them, the Rolling Stones. That's funny. So healthy, wealthy and dumb here. Our story begins with the boys at the table. They're gambling <laughs> with pancakes, little dollar pancakes. Mo says, I better win today. I haven't eaten in a week. And Larry says, well, the best man always wins. <laughs> so take that, Mo. Curly's busy flipping the dollar, silver dollar pancakes. And Mo is calling for more chips. <laughs> Curly needs time to work on his radio contest, not cook all day. He's um, The contest is apparently it's a slogan for a glue company that he's been working on it for weeks. And Larry tells him, yeah, just play cards. It'll improve your mind what there is of it. <laughs> There's a pot of maple syrup on the table, as well as the pot of glue that uh, Curly is using. And uh, methinks something is coming here involving those two pots of various stuff. Larry wins again with four aces versus Moe's four kings. He says, uh, it's beginner's luck. And Moe says, every day you have beginner's luck. <laughs> so Larry stands up and he's found to be sitting on a pile of all different aces, a whole bunch of them. And then more of them fall out of his suit all over the place. It's pretty good. So Mo sits down to eat. He takes all the pancakes, obviously. And he grabs the, uh, the Sticks Fast Glue Company or Glue Corporation glue and puts that all over his pancakes. His mouth gets glued closed, obviously, and there's a funny little bit of him realizing what has happened and, uh, trying to alert the boys to what's going on and curly says curly realizes and says oh good now he can't talk back to me <laughs> larry grabs him and tries to pull his mouth open by his hair and his chin and curly takes the plate of uh pancakes and uh he's just chowing them down he says i admit the pancakes ain't so good but the syrup is delicious <laughs> so larry's holding mo down and he wants to pour boiling water onto his face to get the melt to melt the glue <laughs> and so they get the teapot and they, yeah, it works, you know, but Mo is still mad, obviously. He's trying to boil me alive, huh? And smacks him. They would say he fast motions, you know, they put the, they, they turn the speed up on the camera and he fast motions into the door and then back to Curly, who now has his spoon stuck in his mouth with the glue that he was spooning in. <laughs> so, uh, Larry falls on something now that, that hurts his butt. He can't tell what it is, but, he falls on something and it really, he really, you know, it's almost like, like he would act if he fell on like a spike or something to that effect, but they never show one. But evidently he just hurts his butt. So Mo is uh, trying to pull the spoon out of Curly's mouth and Larry walks over to help very gingerly, you know, because he's still, he's still hurting. <laughs> so the spoon breaks and uh, Mo thinks that it's out. It's, he pulled it out. He's all proud of himself, but it's still stuck in there. Um, we get a profile view now, the classic profile bit where the pliers, he's using pliers to go into Curly's mouth and uh, grab the the spoon, which is glued to the top of Curly's tongue, I suppose. Mo, Mo pulls a tooth out instead of the spoon head, and Curly just says, yeah, give me it, you know, he'll get it himself. So Curly gets it himself, or pulls the pliers out, hitting Mo in the head, who then backs up, hits Larry, you know, <laughs> one of those classic stooge 
little bits. So Curly sees that it is now time for his contest, and so they gather around the radio. Curly says, it's a good thing, because it's time for the Coffin Nails Cigarette Program. The Coffin Nails Cigarette Program. <laughs> in the movie Clerks, uh, if you've ever seen that, Kevin Smith is a 1994 independent movie. Kevin Smith calls his uh, brand of cigarettes in that movie, he calls them nails, which is interesting, just to, you know, a little play on that, Coffin Nails Cigarettes. I would have thought that in 1938, they still thought cigarettes were still good for you. So then we've got uh, Gene Morgan as the radio announcer announcing the winner. $50,000, and the winner is Curly Howard. Larry says, at least we can, at last, we can live like gentlemen. And Curly says, yeah, pie a la mode with beer chasers three times a day. And then Mo says, let's go places and buy things. And that's like the line from, uh, what is it, where they're, they're firemen, where she's, uh, she says, let's go places and eat things. <laughs> so, uh, Curly gets fancy. He's, uh, he says, wait for the money man now, snapping his fingers, you know, which is pretty funny. And then they go out. So they toast. Uh, no drink for Curly. Of course, he's the one that won. <laughs> Curly says, uh, since there's no glass for him, he says, roses for, roses are red, violets are blue, no glass for me, so pancakes for you. <laughs> and then they slap him with pancakes. We cut to the hotel Costa Plenty. <laughs> C-O-S-T-A. P-L-A-N-T-E, Costa Plante. Great little wordplay there. James C. Morton opens the door to the suite, and the boys waltz in in tuxedos and top hats. They're smoking the hugest, biggest cigars you've ever seen in your life. Curly says, this ain't a bad-looking dump. Mo says, this reminds me, yeah, it reminds me of the penthouse we were thrown out of. Larry gets on the phone immediately. Send, a cup, send up a couple of cases of champagne. So they've won $50,000 here in 1938. I looked that up just out of curiosity with that. And and today, 1920, I mean, 1921, 2021, uh, that comes to $970,000 and $970,095. So that's not so bad. Maybe not enough to go living it up like they're living, but you know. So Morton shows him the room. Uh, he's, you know, he's the hotel manager. He's showing him the room. He says, this vase is worth $5,000. <laughs> The boys all tip their hats to it. It was pretty good. He turns and says, uh, you know, to this, to the bed, they've got a big four post bed with a, you know, a cover on top of it. The, whatever the, it's like a mosquito net, but it's not a mosquito net. And I don't know what they call that. A, a big sash from the top of the bed, whatever. Uh, he says, this bed goes back to Henry VIII. Curly says, that's nothing. We had a bed that went back to Sears and Roebuck the third. <laughs> the boys all bow and knock heads together and then they, Pull their cigars and sword fight each other as they're their stooges. Curly opens the bathroom door, and they're still looking around, you know. Curly opens the bathroom door and points at the tub. He says, look, a rowboat. Larry says, you're crazy. That's a horse trough. <laughs> Lowe says, that's a bathtub, you imbeciles, and orders them to take a bath. Larry says, but it ain't spring yet. Mo says, oh, yes, it is. See the pretty grass? And push. He pushes him in there and locks him in the bathroom. Curly says he had a bath on July 14th, 1910. He said, I was too too young to fight about it then. Mo says, well, what are you going to do now? Curly says, take a bath. <laughs> I was like that where they get a little indignant. And then Mo says, oh, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And they're just like, oh, nothing. You know, same as you said, Mo. So Mo and Curly, uh, they look at the covered four-post bed. Larry's taking a bath as he's been ordered to do and locked in the bathroom. 
Curly says, well, a triple bed, just what we need. Curly points to the top and said, I want the top berth. You get less air. <laughs> Mo just looks at him. <laughs> so Mo kneels over looking at looking at something and uh curly gets a head of steam up you know and runs he vaults off moe's back and way up to the top of the bed it's obviously you know stuntman and camera cuts but uh he lays down on the top of the bed and it collapses like just you know it traps mo uh we cut to larry in the tub he says quiet out there he's got his uh striped swimming costume on <laughs> and there's some balloons inflated just floating in the tub with him. He's reading the funny pages, the comics section of the paper, and smoking his massive cigar. It hits one of the balloons and pops, and, you know, he gets all, he sinks down in the water, gets all scared and soaked and ruins his cigar. So Curly and Moe are fighting, and uh, Moe hits him through his hat. <laughs> you know, holds his, he holds his top hat out in front of his face, and, you know, Moe punches him right through it. And he beats him to the punch by doing it again, and then Curly tries to slap him with his glove like, uh, you know, you're like a duel type of thing. Mo snatches the glove right out of his hand and snap and slaps Curly. <laughs> Curly, realizing he's been foiled at every turn, he just kind of shrugs it off and like, oh well. <laughs> Which is a kind of funny little business. I like, man, I just, I'm really getting a kick out of all their little... All the little subtleties, you know, of, of these as we're, as I'm watching them on a regular basis, you know, with a more discerning eye. Anyway, Bobby Burns now shows up. He's the waiter. He's delivering the food. Uh, Mo has no money for a tip, but Curly has a coin dispenser strapped to his leg. You know, one of those little four things, you know, chicka, 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 and the coins come out the bottom. <laughs> Curly gives him a nickel, and Mo almost keeps it. <laughs> And then thinks better of it and gives it to him. It's just funny. Mo almost keeps the nickel. <laughs> so Lucille Lund, I think that's her here. Uh, it's hard to tell sometimes from the stock pictures. But because uh, a lot of them, they tend to have the same hairdo. They're lit the same. It's a lot of, you know, it's like, boy, if you're not really kind of wildly different from each other, they almost tend to look the same. It's hard to, it's hard to know. If you're not of the time, then how would you know? Anyway, uh, I believe it's Lucille Lund. She's in the hallway. And she asks where the men who have won the contest are. So the girls here have more lines than in any in any of the previous short, it seems like. I'm not sure that that's a fact, but it's just my opinion. But we sure have a few, you know, they talk a lot in this scene, which is great. I'm not I'm not complaining. That's good. It's just different. I think the Stooges were genuine, genuinely nice guys. And obviously they weren't writing the, the, the uh, shorts, but they weren't averse to giving people you know, a shot or work or lines or, you know, whatever. And so anyhow, the girls here are gold diggers and that 50,000 bucks is down the hall just waiting for mama, she says. So uh, we're going to pretend that we're three rich widows, marry them, get their dough and give them the ozone. <laughs> That's what the hotel manager will give us if we don't get some dough. Well, I like that expression a lot. The we'll give them the ozone. I I just love that. I might I might start to use that in and see if I could get it to catch on. I'll give you the ozone, pal. That I'll be gone. <laughs> I like it. I like that a lot. Anyhow, the girls have a monkey with them. It's funny I can find stuff about the lions in the pictures. And I guess I did find who who was the monkey in the one in uh Pain in the Pullman. I'll bet it's the same monkey, but I just didn't see anything. I assume it's the same monkey from Pain in the Pullman, but who can tell? You know, maybe it's his 
his nephew or his cousin or something. He's a classically trained monkey, that, that much I'm sure of. So he's, uh, they tell the monkey to go get lost and that'll give the girls an excuse to come and find him. So Curly and Mo are chugging champagne straight from the bottles. Curly says, we only have four left. We order, we better order some more. And, uh, then he, you know, he tips it up and we get the glug, glug, glug sound effect, you know, that they always use when they're pouring or drinking or what have you. <laughs> Curly says, this bottle is flat. So he'll sharpen up the next one and he starts shaking it and it blows and he, you know, he puts his mouth on it and, uh, you know, to, to catch it as it's blasting out and it, it ends up blasting out of his ears. <laughs> so he looks over and he sees a good monkey and he gets scared. He says, I got him. I'm seeing gorillas. <laughs> Mo gets offended and says, don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> Curly says, I got the DTs. I'm seeing gorillas, I tell you. So the monkey runs and hides in uh, the pants that Larry has left outside the bathroom. And uh, the pants start moving and Mo looks over and thinks that the pants are haunted because they're moving. Curly suggests that it might be ants. <laughs> Larry comes walking out of the bath and says, what's going on out here? He says, uh, he hears that his pants are walking around without him. He says, ah, you guys have been drinking. He grabs his pants. Ow, my pants bit me, which is a funny line. He says, we better kill it. So now they're, uh, you know, they're chasing the pants that are, you know, running around. Curly's going to smash the, va the vase on the pants. But Mo says, no, that's a $5,000 gadget. <laughs> Gadget's a good comic word for that. Larry has a board, but Mo takes it away from him and, uh, he swings it and smashes the face. He gets, he gets mad at Larry and says, why didn't you bring me a softer board? <laughs> so there's a knock at the door and, uh, the Stooges turn around and do the come in, come in, come in. They're really good harmonizers, actually, you know. So Morton comes walking in. He's got a registered letter and he gives him the letter and he sees the destruction of the room and he says, my bed, my face. Curly takes the letter and he's reading it. It says, uh, prize money, $50,000, minus the regular deductions, which are $30,000 for federal tax, $15,000 for state tax, $3,000 for unemployment insurance, $1,900 for social security tax, and $95.15 for miscellaneous, leaving them $4.85. Yours truly, A. Coffin. From Coffin Nails Cigarette Corporation. <laughs> Curly makes that sound and, and he faints. He falls over. Larry looks at the, at the letter and he says, oh, they'll put us in jail. And he faints. Morton says, did he say jail? Mo says, no, Yale. He's got a brother there with two heads. They got him in a bottle. <laughs> Morton says, what? <laughs> Mo takes the letter and he reads it. And he, he, he almost faints, but not quite. He gets a great look on his face. I love the look on his face as he's reading it. And he's, Morton says, is something wrong? Mo says, no, no, the figures stagger me. <laughs> uh, Morton says, yeah, and so will your bill. And he runs out. Mo gets the fellas up and he says, hey, we got to leave. We got to get out of here before he gives us the bill. You know, they try and leave. But Bud Jameson now, as the, as the hotel dick, has been posted at the door so they can't escape. So what do we do now? Curly has an idea. They do their classic Stooges huddle. We got Bud Jameson out in the hallway now. He lights a cigar. And he drops the match on the carpeted floor. It's really funny. It's a swanky high-dollar hotel, and you're just blowing out a match and dropping it on the floor. It's crazy. So the boys come out, and uh they're on each other's shoulders, you know. They got a big, they got a rug wrapped around them. 
Mo says, how? And Curly from inside says, how you doing? Bud pulls the rug off him and uh, Mo is on Curly's shoulders and Larry is hanging on to Curly from the front. And they run back into the room and slam the door. Bud looks through the keyhole and Curly barks at the door several times. And then he goes and gets a fountain pen. And obviously he sprays the detective through the thing. And he says, I dotted his eye. <laughs> then he leaves. Uh, Jameson leaves. And the girls come walking up to the door. She says, we got to make him propose right away. One of them says, couldn't we just marry the money without them? Quiet, Cleopatra, she says. <laughs> She's got a delivery like Mo. Yeah. Quiet, Cleopatra. <laughs> so they knock on the door and the, the boys are ready for the, for the detective. They've got buckets full of ice water. So Mo th flings open the door and they just splash. You know, they throw the buckets of water and the girls are soaked. Apologies are made. They're looking for their pet monkey. Larry says, oh, so that's what's running around here. So the girls start laying it on thick, you know. We hope that monkey is safe. Oh, he's the only thing we have besides our millions. Just a few million and we're so lonely, you know. And Mo says, what you girls need is a husband. And all three of the girls all in unison say, oh my, this is so sudden. <laughs> and they dip the boys and kiss them. And the monkey titters and the girls drop the boys, blam, onto the floor. So the girls go to get changed into dry clothes. And uh, the monkey grabs the letter that's been delivered. The boys give chase so the girls don't find out that they're broke. Meanwhile, the girls are in their room. They say, hurry up, girls, before the suckers change their mind. But the monkey brings the letter in, and they read about how about those. They read the letter, and one girl says, how about those chiselers double-crossing us? Now the manager and the detective are knocking on the boys' door again, but the uh, they decide to outsmart the boys, and they go to the fire escape. The girls walk up to the door and knock. The boys inside the Stooges think that it's the detectives again. While they're waiting, the one lady, Earlene Heath, I believe, she says, what I'll do to that guy with the sugar bowl haircut. <laughs> and then they're doused again, you know. The uh, the boys throw the door open and splash. And he says, oh, we're sorry. We didn't know it was you. Curly calls them swell dames. You're, you dames are swell. And they, the ladies say, come on, give us a kiss. Close your eyes. And uh, they are smashed over the head with champagne bottles. The end. <laughs> so, uh, in this one, this one had, my opinion here, this one had a lot of potential. But the girls, just my opinion, the girls don't come in soon enough. Um, and there's not enough with them. They, uh... The ending seems like something is missing. I'm not sure. You got, you got Bud Jameson and James Morton going to the fire escape, and you think maybe there would be more to that. Like maybe there was a, you know, a scene. This was only 16 and a half minutes, so they could have added another, you know, minute or two or what have you. So maybe they cut something, or like I was thinking maybe there was a fire escape scene down the road or what have you that we didn't get. So, but I don't know. This one got an 8.83 on threestooges.net. I'm going to go a little bit lower on that one. Um, an eight, I think I'm going to go. I would maybe go seven and a half, but that's a little harsh. So, because there's definitely some funny stuff here. So I'll go with eight. We'll, we'll stick that. So in 1995, TBS network, you know, the, the Superstation <laughs> was doing a Three Stooges All Nighter. 
and they cut this short to uh, when the boys enter the hotel in their tuxedos. So they made this one like super short. Uh, that only leaves, that probably leaves like six minutes or something. Like they cut quite, you know, most of the stuff from the beginning, most of the, most of the short. It's just them, you know, really don't even know what happened. It's kind of funny. Hey, I wish they wouldn't do that kind of stuff, but you know, oh well. I'm finding that more and more, like I'll watch them on Saturday morning or Sunday morning or whatever it is on me TV. And sometimes I'll notice like, Hey, the little scene from that one's not in there. Like it should be, you know, so you still, you still see that every now and again. So this short, uh, it would be remade in 1952 with Shemp and it was called a missed fortune. But the title here of this one, Healthy, Wealthy, and Dumb, is a play, obviously, on Ben Franklin's saying of healthy, wealthy, and wise. Lucille Lund, she was in this one. She was a guest at the 1993 Three Stooges convention in Philadelphia. She passed away in 2002. But I'll bet it was great. Those those Three Stooges conventions in the 90s in Philly, they had special guests all the time. Um, I was still up there. I just wish I, I just was unaware of them at the time. That would have been fun. So when the bed collapses here, Mo ends up on top of the pile. But in the close-up, he is underneath uh, all the, the bed, which is just one, one little goof from here, you know. Uh, the fan reviews online all seem to think that the remake of this in 1952 is better. And almost all of the reviews that I read all agreed and said that it felt unfinished at the end. And like I mentioned before, I, I totally agree. Uh, but they made these things quick, you know. They got a, they got a script that they thought, okay, this will work. If it's not quite fleshed out quite enough, the boys will make it funny. And off you go. You got four days or you got five days, you know. I think the longest one we've seen so far has been seven days to make, you know, a two-reeler, like, uh, 18-minute short, you know. Like I said, they're made so quick. What are you going to do? So I guess that's it for this one. Uh, it's going to do it for this episode. Tune in next time when we will look at the next short. Violent is the word for curly. This is a big one. Lots of people talk about this one all the time. This is a, a tent pole. Short for the boys, I believe. Man, there's a lot of them in these early years. There's, uh, you know, several pointed at as, uh, as, as big ones. So thanks for listening. Thanks for all of the nice messages about the podcast. It's so great. Go to anchor.fm if you want to make a podcast for yourself. It's a great free site. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of podcasting, all aspects of it. Makes it really easy to make a little money on the side. It's really nice. There's no limits. You know, I do a big ad in the beginning. So please rate and review the show if you would like, wherever you hear it. If you do it on Apple, that would be great. Apparently, it really helps with their algorithm and helps people find the show and helps more fans. I've started posting the show in some Three Stooges groups on Facebook. I'll tell you, originally I was doing a podcast about silent era stars and their lives, and um, I wasn't really interested in them. I just thought it was a, a fascinating subject, but I was just kind of skimming the surface of it, you know, and I found that when I went and posted that show into groups on Facebook for silent era fans... You know, and I didn't know as much of that as them, and I'm making a podcast, and boy, I would get some messages from them saying, you got this wrong, you got that wrong, you're a pinhead, you don't know anything, what are you doing? <laughs> so, 
I was very nervous to take this and start, you know, I always shared it on my Instagram and my, my own Facebook and whatnot and, and a Three Stooges page that I made on Facebook, but I was always a little hesitant to share it among other Stooge fans because I thought, oh no, I don't want to get, you know, hey, you don't know anything, you know, but, uh, anyway, but it's been great so far. Um, uh, you know, I think the show is, Getting some listeners, you know, it's a very niche show, The Three Stooges here in 2021. Uh, but anyway, like I said, if you, if you would please rate the show, if you're not a fan and you don't want to give it a five star review, then you can just chill. You don't need to do anything. Just leave it alone. But five star reviews, that'd be great. Uh, anyway, I have been your host and chief knucklehead, Gabriel Russo. And I have been broadcasting from Stooge Studios at the back of the house. See you next time. Bye.